Hello and welcome to the second instalment of The Why Debate with me and my colleague Callum Roy. Um, before we move into what we're going to talk about today, the first thing I want to do is just explain that the concept behind The Why Debate, okay? So, so, so I've been in business for, I don't know, 14 years profitably now. Every single year we've been profitable. And I've over the years figured out that the, the most important thing is knowledge, but not, not just any old knowledge, not remembering lists, not remembering, uh, not, not pirate fashion knowledge, knowledge that you can actually apply to your life, knowledge that you can actually use, not just in your everyday life, but in your everyday business in what you do and, and how you do it. And I feel that, um, well, me personally, I end up reading three books a week, okay? But I don't finish three books that week. I will be reading this, then I'll move to this, then I'll move to this, and some books I never finish. I think most people do that. So what me and Callum um, have decided to do together is create a almost learning group of books that have changed the most lives possible. Or not just books, but concepts. So some weeks we'll do books, some weeks we'll do different concepts, because we may look at religion. I don't know what we're going to look at. Um, but what we do want to do, guys, is we want to grow this channel. We've started it as a brand spanking new channel. And what we want is we need people to subscribe, like, and share. Because if you subscribe, like, and share, and get this out, once we've got our first 1,000 subscribers, I believe it is, we can then start... Um, we, we can then start doing two-hour lives. And once we can create a two-hour live... We're then going to do this live every single week at this time, meaning we can then start getting you guys to come on live with us and chat with us. And if and and each week we will have a new concept. So we'll kind of grow our knowledge together as a team, me, Callum, and all of you, whichever one of you is listening or isn't listening right now. Um, and we'll pick a subject every single week. We will then focus on that for a full week. We'll come on here on the wide debate. We'll discuss it. And then after we've had a week of, of completely studying it, me and him will put our, our points across from the two different angles and then anybody who's in on the live we can you can chat into the into the chat and if you want to come on live and actually talk we we we've got the software where we can click a button and let you do that so exciting stuff Callum I've been talking for over two minutes just doing that little intro but I thought we gotta let people know what we've got planned and where we want to go and why they need to uh subscribe like and join our little gang our little study buddy gang over at the wider bait Totally. Yeah. Join our book club. Um, so the book we've been looking at uh, this week is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, it is basically a guide to building good habits, breaking bad habits. Um, and he goes into the psychology and all the neuroscience behind it. Uh, a bit of sort of evolutionary biology stuff that I thought was particularly spicy. Um, and it really, it's very sort of a broad spectrum of advice. It could be if you want to lose weight, if you want to uh, quit smoking or something like that, or grow a business, also really applicable stuff in there. So yeah, a great book. And I can see why it's so highly recommended. I don't know how you got on with it, but um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, within two or three hours of, of reading it, uh, of starting reading it, I had already implemented various changes in my life, which, um, which I, I see as positive. Um, I mean, one of the key things I took from it that I thought was absolutely brilliant is basically when you change your habit, you make it obvious, you make it attractive um, and make it easy. And, and, and obviously then you get the satisfying thing from it. So, so before we, we, we move on, obviously I think we should look at the fundamental of any habit. Um, yes. Now, now he does, he mentions that you, that in fact, I'll let you explain it. Go on. What's, what's the, the four sections of any habit that, that, that make it. Well, so the, uh, of how a habit is formed. So, You've got the cue, the craving, the reaction, and the reward. 
these are the the parts of every habit that's how a habit is formed um and once you've got the reward then in a nice vicious circle sometimes but uh sometimes a a good a good thing is that you um you go back to the queue again because you've got your you've got your your reward and then the action becomes the queue and you end up going around in a big circle um that is why when you walk to the fridge right so 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 when i walk to the fridge my cue is okay i'm hungry i i i i spot a donut and it's like oh my god i've got to have that donut i start craving it pick it up i eat, eat the whole thing um <laughs> and that's that's kind of you get the sugar rush reward and then two minutes later it's like i want another donut <laughs> and yes. i'm gonna go back there but not all cues not all cues are curated equal are they like um i mean one of the things i thought about with this is is, is most um most guys um uh, like me and you straight guys we'll walk into a room see a hot bird and it's like wow that's the cues about like, okay she's nice um not anymore obviously i've been taken for over 10 years now but what i'm saying <laughs> is uh you look and then it's like craving okay i want to chat to that bird i want, I want to get to know her or that girl that lady let's say not not, not to upset people by calling women birds <laughs> cancelled uh, cancelled yes delete <laughs> five minutes in we're getting cancelled yeah um and then i i guess the the the, the the action is you speak to them and the reward is they let you take them on a date. Whereas that cue, if, if I was a gay guy and I walked into a room, that same cue wouldn't affect me even slightly because I'd see this woman and it's like, well, I'm not interested. Uh, so, so different cues work perfectly, work different for different people. Yeah. Um, and, and also if she was maybe dressed differently or something like that, that would also affect the cue. It's, it, we're, we're very visual, aren't we? So, yes. Like, um, you know. I was going to say, I've always been an ass man. Never been interested in boobs. <laughs> I, saw, I was leading you into that one. I should, <laughs> I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah, but no, what you're saying there is completely true. If you if you're walking in and and she had baggy pants on and and and, and big boobs, I wouldn't look. <laughs> right. So exactly. Now we've been cancelled twice in the first two weeks. So yeah. this is supposed to be a business podcast. We're supposed to be obviously looking at trying to. So have have let's 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 look at how let's say say this week the week while we've been reading this have you actually made any active changes in your life that have positive active changes that, that the book have, have inspired yeah absolutely um so i'd say the first one the probably the most obvious one is i've had to up my reading habit by quite a bit um yep not everyone can match your three books a week energy um <laughs> and i've uh yeah it's I've honestly struggled since university. I think I oversaturated myself with, with reading so much and not just a lot of stuff. It was just stuff that I didn't enjoy and that I didn't find even particularly helpful. The only thing that I was getting from it was that I was going to pass the test or write the essay about it at the end. So this is a bit different. And um, I found it, it was challenging to start with, but I have managed to read every single day. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to speed myself up a couple of times. But I've basically, the way I've gone about it is that I've just found gaps in my day that I didn't know I had before. Just little, like half an hour. It seems like a longer time to me now because I'm scheduling it better. Um, yep. And I know that, I think he mentions it in the book, where he says that people that live like a, a rigid lifestyle with lots of habits and, and like a, a, a regime, you think that they're not free you think that they're like oh they don't get to do what they want because they've got all these really rigid habits but it's when you put it into practice it's kind of the opposite it's like i find i have actually more time than i did before because i'd just be lost on like a endless scroll or something like that and then you know yep. 
So you're paying more attention now in, into what gaps you've got in your day because of that. And, and it's like Facebook. I deleted Facebook probably over a year ago now. Um, I deleted all my social media except for the TikTok account, which the girls deal with down in the office. <laughs> and um, my YouTube account, which other than sitting in front of this like this, um, obviously the, the girls down in the office tend to do all the editing and things like that on that as well. But um, I mean, I had a few... Um, a few, I mean, the first one was right. The first, the first change that this, this is the why debate. This is not, um, this is not James Clear, um, Atomic Habits. But the first change was is like I said to you, I used to read three books at a time, but sometimes I wouldn't finish a book. I'd get like seventy percent through and I'd stop, and I'd always have three books on the go at the same time. Whereas this week, I've read Atomic Habits twice or almost twice. I'm about almost uh, the second time through it now. Now I won't finish because we've done the, the show now. However. What I found is it's enabled me to say, right, I'm going to focus my attention for a full week on that one subject and that one thing. And I'm not going to be here, there and everywhere focusing. And, and what I'm getting is it is in much bigger knowledge. I'm, I, I'm absorbing more. Um, it's making more of a set. I mean, th- that's that's the first positive. The, 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 the second positive is obviously um, that we we're now studying things that are going to help us as, in, in business, that are going to help us as entrepreneurs. And it's going to help us as thinking. So, so actual practical changes I've made in my life. So I wake up every single morning and go to the gym at uh, seven o'clock in the morning. But some mornings I get up and I think to myself, I can't be asked. I just can't be bothered. And I think everybody gets that right. So what I usually do is I'll have a cup of coffee and hopefully then I'll feel more motivated. and I'll go to the gym. So instead, what I've done now is I wake up in the morning. You know, like you wake up in the morning, you're dying for a piss, yeah. right? Happens to everyone, doesn't it? Right. So what I've done now is I've, I've basically made this rule that I have to have my first piss in the office, right? No <laughs> so, so I wake up in the morning and it's like this morning I jumps up um, and there's a coffee being made for me downstairs. And as I run downstairs, I'm like, now nah, I'm going to the office. See you later. Poof, fly to the gym. I fly to the office because I've got a gym in the office. Uh, go straight to the toilet in the office from, from my morning pee. And, and I'm straight on the, uh, on the air bike, the, the, the uh, rogue air bike, first thing in the morning. And it means that every single morning no matter what the first thing i do when i wake up and go to get out of bed in the morning is like right i need to go for a week i'll brush my teeth really really quick won't go to the toilet and i'll get to the speed to the to the office as fast. and i'm only two minutes from the office by car so it's not i don't know if that's going to affect me negatively and cause problems but <laughs> it's, it's getting me to go to the gym um the, the second one was my little girl's autistic and she um so we had the kitchen set out in a way where as soon as she gets something to eat, so we we'll give her a breakfast. She has this habit of going straight into the kitchen. She goes to the, one of the big pull-out ladders that we have. She pulls it out, and that one was always full of junk food. Uh, so the first thing she does, she does, is she scouts down. Okay, I want this, and and every every time she has a meal, she'll do this. She'll take it in, and she'll either pour it onto her food or she'll put it next to her food, and she'll eat them together. So it might be a piece of chocolate that she'll eat with a meal. So what we did is we changed the whole kitchen round. This was all about the make it obvious. Okay. So mm-hmm. what we did is we changed the whole kitchen round and that pull out ladder. So we've got a drawer in the, in the kitchen that slides out into in the um, fridge that was full of chocolate. And we've got a pull out ladder that was full of, um, of, of junk food. So what we've done is we've taken all the things like the rice crackers and all, all the, 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 the dry crackers and things like that, that we know she likes, but are not completely full of sugar that's going to give her diabetes. And we've put them all in the big ladder. And then what we've done is we've put all the trays of chopped up fruit into this pull out thing in the fridge so now what she did first mark first day we did it she come in she opens the pull out ladder she looks and she's like right don't want that straight to the fridge she opens the fridge pulls out this 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 pull out tray she looks and it's like shit that's fruit so she shuts the fridge goes back to the pull out ladder and she gets some rice cakes rice crackers and she takes that and she eats it over breakfast and we've done that every single day so now we've got a special cupboard in the kitchen that's above the breakfast bar 
hidden out the way that she can't get to. And nobody's allowed to open it when she's in the kitchen. But what's happened is the, the her sugar consumption just through this one little change has reduced absolutely massively. Um, and, it, and, and, it, and we were like, well, she's autistic. She has a habit. So there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, mm. And I was reading about what he says about make it obvious and uh, make it attractive and put it in front. Make sure that you can see your habits. He mentions a guitar. If you want to learn to play it, set it in, in its guitar stand right in the middle of your living room rather than um, anywhere else. So yeah. that's one. I've made loads of changes, me. So we also, <laughs> we also, um, the, 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 where all the biscuits were, we have like a, an old fashioned, uh, biscuit tin thing where you put in all the, the actual biscuits that's gone now into the cupboard. And instead we've got a nice big, make it attractive, a nice big fancy, um, uh, fruit bowl, which has got like a thing that hangs over the top like that with bananas dangling from it. It's got all the berries in the top and it's got all the normal fruit in the bottom that sits right dead center in the kitchen on the breakfast bar. And I've found that I'm now eating uh, at least two pieces of fruit every single day. Nice. Um, I've made a fruit change as well. Because like, I, I normally, when I get back from uh, when I get back from work, I always uh, make myself um, make myself my lunch. And uh, normally, what I found I was doing is I was making my lunch, eating it, and because I'm I'm like you, I know you do this too. I fast for like the first part of the day. So normally, I'm fasted until like two thirty, maybe when I get home, and um, uh, which I think you're probably a little more a longer than that right window, so it depends yeah. whenever i can eat I, I i i it doesn't matter when i start it's just four okay. hours after that i stop every day yeah all right but yeah and so i'm i'm ravenous i'm a big eater anyway and and i you know luckily i have a fast metabolism because if i didn't i'd be the size of a house but um i make my food i normally take it into the living room or upstairs i eat it i come back down when i put my bowl in the dishwasher i go straight up above the dishwasher into the cupboard above it, biscuits, chow down a bunch of biscuits because I'm still hungry. So what I've done now is I walk into the kitchen, I get a banana, I, I break it off from the bunch, put it on the chopping board right next to where I'm making my food, and uh, it just stays there. And then whenever I look down at my food, I'm like, yeah, banana's there, banana's next. <laughs> <laughs> so constantly reminding me because, yeah, we are so visual. And it's really important to, like, to do that. I've also started... Um, sleeping with this is probably not good for me but i've started sleeping with my laptop uh next to me in my bed and I, it's probably terrible for me but what it does is when i wake up now before i get out of bed to go into uh, to go shower i have my laptop right next to me and i know that i'm gonna write for 10 minutes i know last last week we talked about me writing and i've got you know we'll probably talk more about it when we're talking about other other parts of the habit making sort of system like accountability partners because you're, you're the person that's told me that i need to do this so i'm like accountable to you i've got like a, a a planned end date now as well so um yeah so a little writing habit just small 10 minutes a day before i hop in the shower laptop's right next to me no excuse i've got to climb over it to get out of my bed so and just so that the people watching know callum has actually agreed that he will have his first draft of his first children's book done ready almost ready for editing by the 1st of august so anybody watching this we will we, we will i will actually make sure that he brings his first draft in and shows you <laughs> on the 1st of august which holds him even more so accountable because he's not going to let himself down and he's not just going to let me down he's going to let everybody it means he's let he's promised we we did yeah. a fist bump on the whole we thing so <laughs> yeah. no, no signatures have been exchanged but there was a fist bump which is sacred fist bumps a contract man that's it you're done <laughs> You you have no option. I mean, what one of the things out of the book that really, really, um, I really, really liked 
was was when he was explaining a part that the we basically we we built so we're a habit of our environment not a, we're a product of our environment not a habit of our environment we're a pro- even though if we don't know it and even though we we probably don't realize it everybody's a product of their environment and that is why people who live on council estates around people who commit crime all the time end up committing crime and grow up and do the same habits they do that's why people who live in households where the parents smoke will grow up and they'll smoke i mean i smoked for years because everybody in my house smoked and smoked pot all the time while i was growing up as a kid so so naturally by the age of 12 i was like making skinning up joints and smoking pot and everything else i don't anymore i've completely got rid of all those bad habits but what, what, what the thing is, is, is you are a product of your environment, even though you don't realize it. Um, and they say the people that, that, that the people that you copy, the people whose habits you actually inherit, are usually the people that are close to you. Now, not necessarily close to you as family, but close to you in proximity. So the people that you're around on a regular basis. So if you're around people doing bad things, or even though it's like, oh, I've got this cousin and he's, he's a nobody and he steals cars and he's blah, 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 and, he's, 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 and he comes around, but I just ignore him. You will actually pick up on them habits, get rid of them out of your life, push them out of your life. Move. The further away you can get them from you, um, the, 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 the better. Um, so, so we, we tend to pick up our habits. We're a product of our environment and we pick up our habits from people that are close to us. In addition to that, we also pick up our habits from gang mentality. So the many, uh, they did a, a research test. Okay. And what they did is they put these two pieces of paper, right? And they said to people, right, which light? So this one, this one page, this piece of paper on the right would have three lines on it. Want to be short, want to be medium size, want to be long. And then there's one on the left-hand side that's got just a medium-sized line on it. And what they did was they tested to see that, okay, they'd say to uh, a study group, which is the same size line? So people would say, right, so the medium size matches the medium size. But then what they did is they started to add more people into into the, I think it was up to eight people, might have been more. And what happened is the, the actors that were coming into the group, there were like six or seven people that were in this group, were saying the long line and the medium-sized line was actually the same size. And because they were doing that, um, up to 75% of the actual real participants was agreeing with them and just choosing it. So basically, people would rather be wrong with a group than they would to be to, than be right on their own and actually argue. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm proper awkward. I would be like, fuck off. You're all wrong. Totally disagree with every single one of you. But people, that, that gang mentality shows that people can be carried along with bad habits just by being around large groups of people that do it. Um, and th- and th- it literally happened to me the other day. <laughs> I was at a, a pub quiz and my my team, we got asked a question about, I was like ancient history or something. You know, I love ancient history. It's my yeah. jam. So I was like ready to go. Something about the temple of, oh, I don't know, um, Artemis or something. And they were like, what country is it in? And that was the question. I was like, okay, I think it's in Turkey. I don't think, because my logic was, it's not in Greece because Greece and Turkey used to be kind of like connected, obviously, ages ago. Ancient Greece was like a bunch of Turkey is now what ancient Greece used to be. So I was like, I think it's in Turkey. I think it's a trick question. And my whole team were like, no, it's in Greece. Like Artemis, she's a Greek goddess. Like she's 100% Greece. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> and sure enough, it was freaking Turkey. <laughs> so you was right, but you agreed. Yeah. With the, yeah and that's it. We, uh, we, 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 we get yeah. our habits from, from, from the many. So gang mentality, hence why when you, when, if you see, like, I, I remember seeing a video where a, um, a young lad in Africa was, was hitting a, a pregnant woman. And I was like, fucking hell, that's disgusting. Why would you ever do something like that? But 
everybody around him's doing it. He's been brought up seeing that on a regular basis and thinks it's, it's normal. And then the final group, which I believe is the most powerful, right, is people inherit their habits from the powerful. Now, when you say the powerful, I, do, I don't think it means like people that are gods and kings and shit like that. I think it means people like, like, for example, in the UK, uh, tattoos were not that popular, right? For, for a long time, it, it was usually your skinheads, your Doc Martins, people like that were walking around covered in tattoos. Then David Beckham starts getting tons of tattoos. And now everyone, I mean, I can't say anything about it. I've got both of my arms completely covered. Um, <laughs> and I think I've got one on my back. I can't remember. I've not seen my back for ages. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I've got my legs as well. That was a waste of money is, then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. It's like, why? Um, but I, 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 so, 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 so it's the close, it's the many and the powerful. And I think the powerful, and that's why marketing works so well when you get somebody who says they use your specific product, if it's a footballer, if it's a basketball player, if it's a, um, even if it's somebody who, isn't super famous, but are, are famous in that little tiny niche. So this guy grew the biggest watermelon in the world in, in, in a gardening competition. And he says he uses specific watermelon seeds. Everyone's going to come and buy your watermelon seeds. Everyone wants oh, really? to grow watermelons. So it's, 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 it's the same. I think that was one of the, one of the things that got me that I thought, wow, that actually makes so much sense. And you can use that in such you can use that to manipulate people in a way to benefit you. And I know it's not a nice thing to say is manipulate, but also to persuade people to, to yeah. people to sell to people. It's, it's kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily as well. People that are, like you said, I don't think it's people that are like world famous or they have to be like the top of their class and whatever they're doing. I think it's also just people that you respect. I have like a, like a real deep sort of respect or admiration for that. You'll just naturally start, um copying what they do um but i do think there's a negative element to that as well because you can really get inspired by the wrong people you don't need to like you know especially like there's a lot of social media culture people get radicalized by the internet quite easily and um i think that that that, that is a negative element of it i think the other negative element of the um the powerful part is just like i think it comes from maybe like an insecurity of like what are people thinking of me like I've got a, it's like the same with the many, really. It's like, I've got to fit in. Like, what are people thinking of me? And and we spoke last week about how that's like not a good thing. You know, no, to... I, I don't want to fit in. I walk around this office, right? And people must think I am, um, I'm a scumbag, right? They see me, I wear a hoodie. I wear tracky bottoms. I wear trainers. I come to work in an office environment and I look like one of the guys that they probably would cross the road not to, to think. He'd be thinking that he looks like he's going for a bottle of cider. But I'm comfortable <laughs> like that. I feel comfortable like that. I, I dress for my own comfort. But but like you said, fitting in with society for a lot of people is very, very, very important. Um, or it's not. Maybe maybe, maybe it is. I, don't, I, I think it's something that you just brought up with. You need to fit in. You need to follow rules. You need to do what your teacher says. You need to be part of the in crowd. And, and a lot of people can't get out of that. So that's why the habit is, is so powerful. Um, yeah, it's like being part of the tribe, isn't it? Like we have so many like biological things that keep us doing that. Like you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want people to you know, start thinking you're an outsider because biologically you're like, if I get kicked out of the tribe, I'm going to get eaten by a lion. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, guess from history, it kind of felt like usually <laughs> means death. So it is a survival instinct, really. So I would have been the guy that got eaten by a lion. I, I would imagine then. Uh, Maybe I think you would have been the. Yeah, <laughs> I think you would have oh, had like guys. a massive. <laughs> you would have had just a big tribe of of 
of dudes following you around, you'd be leading them, I think, more than excluding yourself. So there was something in the book, right, that said about getting getting 1% better every day counts for a lot in the long run. Yes. When, 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 when I read it at first, I thought, yeah, but it's just 1%. But then when you, when you look at it, just do that 1% every day for a year, and you're 365% better than you were at the beginning of the year. Exactly. Uh, when, when you look at it like that, it's like, holy shit. I mean, in fact, there was a story in there about um, the British racing team, okay? The British cycling team, right? Yes. And, 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 and they were terrible. They were rubbish. They'd never won anything. Um, and basically, even some of the bike manufacturers and people like that that were actually selling bikes to the, to the elite refused to sell bikes to the British uh, racing team because they were that crap, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was like, you guys are so bad that people are going to stop buying our stuff if people see you riding them. So, so, so there's a, another example of, of the habit with regards to the, um, the powerful, okay? So these guys are celebrities in their own little world, but the, the, the negative celebrities, which so it's like, yeah, we don't want to see. It's like, it's like a fat guy sat eating McDonald's. You're going to be like, yeah, I'm not going to McDonald's. In fact, I'm going to go and get salad. You know, you see some exactly. real big, fat rolls coming off his face type of guy start munching on McDonald's burgers you're not instead they'll put some hot little bird or or some guy with a six pack stood outside eating his <laughs> his hamburgers you feel yeah. like it's always with loads of mates as well <laughs> yeah you're just uh, sitting alone eating your cheeseburger <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that one percent thing was br- brilliant because basically that's what one the, the new coach joined the the, the 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 racing team and instead of focusing on basically the goals rather than just saying right our goal is to get to the championships and win next year. He said, like, forget the fucking championships, forget the goals, forget, uh, forget, forget where we're trying to get. Instead, let's look at your technique, right? So, so if you start just turning your foot in this tiny little bit on your pedal where you're doing like this, you're going to get three times more power from your legs. So you're going to be able to think. So let's just focus on that one thing. And then as soon as that was sorted, he's like, now, now let's focus on how deep you get down with your back and how close you get to the, um, to the handlebars when you're actually riding. Now, and, and they focused on the 1% changes. And he basically ignored the, the, the goal at the end and instead focused on, on, on getting the team. And I think it was about a 10 year period where they won almost everything i think it was the one of the best cycling um records in history i i actually remember them being i only ever remember british cycling being really good i only ever remember us winning loads of gold medals and stuff because i think from like my lifetime they've been really good but apparently it was just before they were awful i had no idea i was uh yeah really surprised when i read it and it went really deep too it wasn't just form and like the way that they were moving on the bike it was like they painted the inside of the van that transported the the bikes they painted it white so they could see dust easier so that the bikes weren't poorly maintained and stuff like that it was like really really uh, well atomic <laughs> they took it down to the like <laughs> smallest name dropping they took it down to the the smallest level which i thought was really cool um i'm actually i play football and we're my team's pretty terrible but we obviously set a goal at the start of the year that we need to be better than we were the season before which i think is a pretty decent goal but there comes a time when you realize why goals are one thing and then systems are much better so the system in with the cyclists was that they worked on the the form they worked on like the inside of the van the bikes all of that stuff were their systems and that's what got them to where they wanted to be not not the goal because i mean we could go into a football game and the goal is to win the game but the other team's got that goal and one of you's gonna lose you know so yeah. 
you know, that's a goal's not enough. So <clears throat> we played, we played one of our rival teams at the start of the year, and um, we it was a really close match, and we were like, oh, we should have won, like, and we we were thinking, um, yeah, we we're better than we were last season because they they were smashing us, but we really should have won that game, and it was quite a hard sort of. Um, I think we drew, but it was a hard, it felt like a loss. Um, and yeah. And then the next few weeks we played all these really good teams and we got smashed week in, week out. It was terrible. But if we'd looked at our goal and gone, you know, our goal was to get better and we're not winning, we're getting smashed all the time. We'd all be really disheartened. But what we were doing that no one else was doing is that we were training every week because we knew we were terrible. And these other squads were showing up and they'd been out drinking. We put a fine in. If you drink, you can't play like, we, it was yeah yeah absolutely and uh yeah if you if you've been drinking the night before you can't play like you you have to loads of stuff like cleaning your boots like you got a fine if your boots were dirty loads of stuff and it just made us care more about actually showing up and putting in the work and um yeah so our training and recruitment we were doing on a tiny like weekly basis but by the end of the year we played this rival team again and we smashed them we absolutely played them off the park and it was like, ah, that was it the whole time. Like if our goals had been to win these games against these other teams, we would have just probably given up or a bunch of people would have left at least. It's the same with boxers, isn't it? Um, I, I know a lot of people have done boxing over the years and things like that. And, and, and the guys that walk into the gym that are really good at, at face value, they tend to not work as hard as the guys that come in and they're not that good. And then what happens is the great sluggers and the great knocking people out and they're, they're in a situation. But as soon as they step up in competition and the inches become very important, like your feet footwork has to be perfect and your hands have to be perfect. Your guard always has to be up. When you jab, you have to keep your right hand up, not jab and let it drop because you're going to get knocked out with a left up and things like that um really really i mean i've got a story actually about system making a huge difference to my life massive difference to my life right so when i first started in business not when i first started in in my very first business but when i first started doing the locksmith stuff that i was doing right i started to suffer with gout right and and so basically and that was my own fault for eating steak and three bottles of wine a day and stupid stuff like that um so so what i what i started to do what I had to figure out how to do when my gout used to kick in is figure out how I could make money off the jobs without going out and covering all the jobs myself. And I, I remember I was sat in, um, I'm, I'm sat in, in, in my armchair at home one time and my business, now business partner, Martin, he came to my house, right? And I'm sat there and I've got my foot up on a thing because it's ballooned up, killing, can't move it in loads of pain. I've got a, a payment terminal in one hand. I've got two mobile phones, okay? One that keeps ringing, which is connected to all my websites and the other one, which I'm, I'm ringing out the contractors. I've got a book where I'm writing down all the information and I've got another book where I'm, um, that, that I've got a list of all my contractors in, right? Anybody who's willing to take any work off of me. So the phones are right, I'm answering the phones and he comes in and he's like, and I'm like, I'm picking up the call. I'm like, da, 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 yeah, no problem, right? That'll be 50 quid. Give me your details. I'd, I'd key their, their card details into my uh, terminal, like card holder, not present. Boom, I'd take 50 quid. Then I'd pass the job on to somebody else or I'd say, yeah, no problem. If they're around the corner, I'll send someone out and then I'd take a percentage of each job off them. And I was doing this thing, right? And I was busy like 15, 16 hours a day. I was answering the phones from first thing in the morning to last thing at night. Um, and I could, I could manage about 30, 30 leads a day, right? that was like really, really, really constantly grafting, really, really difficult. So I was still making good money, but to the point where I had no life. And when Martin came in and he seen what I was doing, I'm dead proud of myself. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm running my business, mate. This is a real business. This is what I'm doing. I'm dead proud of myself. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. And I was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, mate, we need to sit down. We need to talk. He said, I need to, I, I, and what he did is we, we now own leadsimplified.com, right? Which is, which is, which is the 
buy, 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 buy product of, of the very first system we created. Um, but the very first system we created, he said, I'm going to automate your whole business for you. So that as soon as them things come in, you can click a button and it'll automatically collect, distribute, uh, and send out your leads and let people buy and do all this sort of stuff. And it was like, nah, this is not going to work. There was still some manual intervention at the time. There isn't any more. Um, and it went from the point where I could do 30 leads a day working 15 hours a day to, to the point where I could actually have any old random person answering the call. Okay. And we could do 100 leads a day and I, I could make way more money. And I just got my life back. And it wasn't to do with me because my goal was always right. Initially, it was like, I want to make 50 grand a month. And that was my target. And I used to look at, at the end of every month and I'd be like, have I got there? Have I got there? And I'd be like, wow, I've done 47 grand this month and stuff like that. I'd be dead excited, dead happy. And I'd be like, wow, I'm going to, next month I'm going to work even harder and I'm going to do even more and I'm going to answer more calls and I'm going to convert more customers and think about my sales strategies and blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until Martin built me a system, okay, a system that made every single thing streamlined that achieving what used to be my goal every single month became child's play became easier became to the point where I, I didn't have to think about it and I was making way more money than I ever was before and then I could start focusing because I had my mind back and my time back I could start focusing on the inches and streamlining this bit of the business that bit of the business the other bit of the business eventually I gave that business to my brother and sister um, I, I still do a lot in lead generation and stuff like that but that actual particular business because I had completely enough of locksmithing I gave it to my brother and sister and said, there you go, there's a free business, off you go. Um, and they're running it into the ground a little bit. I still manage a lot of the servers and the other bits. But I think that's another thing is if 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 you give something to somebody, um, rather than them building it and making it themselves, they don't appreciate it. So if you spoil your kids and you don't make them work for stuff, then they won't appreciate what they've got. And, and I'm kind of going off track a little bit here. But um, yes, no, I know what you mean, totally. This, the system made all the difference. It really yeah. it was the system that we, if he focused on. Well, he, he talks about, doesn't he, the, the three types of behavior change, like you changing your outcomes, changing your process, uh, and changing your identity and how yep. the first two are, you know, they're, they're enough to maybe get you started with a new habit, but unless you change your, your identity, then you're not going to stick with it, which is probably why you, you got sick of locksmithing yep. because you know, that identity wasn't the one that you wanted. So even though you worked really hard on your process to set it up, like originally you had your outcome, like um, I want to earn 50K or uh, whatever. And then you put everything into the, the process um, and your process was terrible. Then you fixed your process. And then eventually it comes down to who you want to be and what you want to do with your time. Cause that's the most sort of, you know, important thing that we've got. So and um, yeah, if you can't make your identity, if you can't fit your habit into your identity, if you, you know, we're sort of products, our identities are products of our habits at the same time, aren't they? So we have yeah, to. I have that exact same thing. So I coach a lot of businesses and a lot of um, entrepreneurs into taking them from like, I don't know, 10, 20 grand a month, right the way up to 100 and 150K a month and things like that. Um, and the people I coach, the three main steps that I always look at first of all. So before doing anything, which which when you've just said it was the it's, it's kind of the outcome. I think the change for the outcome that you're aiming towards, your goals, is all to do with the knowledge. Um, and so 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 the first thing I'll I'll focus on when I'm coaching a business or when I'm when I'm when I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing um the one-on-one support for a business is I'll always focus first thing on the knowledge. Like okay, let's have a look at you as an individual. Let's look at what you do. You do it. Let's let's not try and say, okay, I've got this business. It's running. It's doing this. 
and I, I want to take it from 10 grand a month to 100 grand a month in the next six months. It's like, okay, great. That's cool. However, let's have a look at what the foot you know first, right? Do you know anything about finance? Do you know anything about, about how the business works? Do you understand the processes? Do you, have you looked at, oh, so let's look at your knowledge first and then let's look at outside influences where I can say, right, I want you to read this. I want you to focus on this. I want you to study this. We, we focus first of all on the knowledge, right? We build their knowledge. Then what we do second step is, okay, What's the process that's going to take this person from 10 grand a month to 100 grand a month? Then we need to figure out the process. And so, so, so I, I make sure that they've got all the knowledge first that's necessary to do this, to streamline it and go with it. Then I make sure there's a process in place, right? Which is, which is, is, is that like, okay, you, you need to be able to do this. You need to be able to do this. You need to, so we will work on the small things together. It's like, right, next, let's change this. And don't rush it. It's like, just focus on one thing at a time. Focus on this part of your process, then this part, then this part. Then we've got a process in place that can take them from 10 to, so they've got the knowledge, you've got the process, and then it's, it's a case of me turning around and saying, you don't need me anymore. The implementation is down to you. I'm not a motivational speaker who's going to turn around and say to you, you've got to do this, work your ass off, go over this, blah, blah, blah. it's a case of, look, we've built the knowledge, we've built the process, now you have to implement it. And that's kind of how I coach people. And it's the exact same thing, what you just said, where it's, it's, it's the outcome process, and then you change the identity. And that's what happens with people who, who I coach. They start out with, obviously they're just running blind in a business and they think, right, well, if I tell him, he's going to tell me exactly what to do step by step. And that's not the case. We focus on them. Then we focus on the process. Then it's the implementation last of all. So they might not start increasing their turnover from 10 grand a month to a hundred grand a month for five months because the whole period, the whole time we're focused on their knowledge. As soon as we've got their knowledge at the right level where it needs to be to, to know how to do everything, we then change the processes. And then when we finally pull the trigger and the implementation kicks off, in the six months, they'll go from 10 grand to 100 grand a month. And it's all of a sudden, it's like, fuck, this works. But it works then long term. Yeah. And, and people who, <clears throat> if people don't know, you know, because with the identity thing, it's all well and good being like, yeah, you know, the identity is the most important part. And some people don't really, you know, they don't necessarily know exactly how to, how to get there. They know what they want, but they don't know how to get there. And um, that's where the sort of reverse engineering part of, the book comes in which i thought was really good like everything all of the laws the, like the make it attractive whatever has an opposite of, of like making it unattractive and stuff like that and i think that that works with the identity thing is you can reverse engineer it and say okay i know what i, I know i want to be a writer yep so but what does a writer do and then you can bring it down like to each little step well a writer has to write uh, how often does a writer write? Well, a writer definitely writes every day. Okay, how much do they write every day? And then you can sort of break down almost exactly your path of how to reach there just by reverse engineering your initial desire, which is um, which I thought was pretty cool. And it's a really good way to stay on track as well because there were mornings where I was like, damn, I'm in such a rush. Like I should just hop in the shower. I should just ignore the writing thing that I need to do. And then I just think in my head like, yeah, but what – would a writer do that? <laughs> would someone who's like a successful children's author, would they hop over their laptop and just ignore the writing that they'd set themselves for the day? No way. No, no way. Because so, then you'll never yeah. become a successful children's author. You will always just be a wannabe. Um, I did the same with my first book. My very first book, I, I, and I'd never finished school. I had no education, couldn't spell properly. And I remember saying, I want to write a fucking book. And it's like, don't you need to know how to spell? And I was like, I'm sure there's a spell check on Word. Don't you need to know the difference between Y O U R and Y O U? Uh, I don't even know what it's called. I don't know what that stuff's called. I still don't all these years later because I never went to school and learned it. But when I decided I was going to write a book, it's like, right, I'm going to write for half an hour every day, guaranteed, no matter what I do. 
every single day I'm going to pick up. And at the time it was one of these tiny little, I think it was 11 inch, like a Chromebook thing that I wrote the first book on. Yeah. yeah I sat, and I did, I did it in words. So I didn't know, I didn't know about breaking up the chapters or breaking up that. I literally wrote from the top down and just kept writing <laughs> and writing and writing. And when I wanted to make changes, I was always scrolling for miles trying to figure out how to do, but I didn't know anything, but I decided I'm going to write for half an hour every single day. I'm going to release a book. And, and that book's crap. It's got like three and a half stars on, on thingy for two or 300 reviews, but it was my first book and it was my first thingy. All of my new business books have all got five star reviews. Cause then I realized, uh, actually I, I, I'd rather do business books where I can help people rather than writing about serial killers, which is pretty depressing. You know, when you've read it like six times about these things, even though it's not real, it becomes super depressing. That's probably why um, he was talking about Stephen King. He's an alcoholic drug addict or something, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, he certainly was. I don't know if he is anymore. But yeah, his writing process was all about just getting hammered. Um, and I think that was mainly to help him focus, but also, yeah, just drown out everything around him. Pretty crazy. But yeah, I, I can see why you get uh, depressed doing like, about talking about that subject matter like some of the youtube videos and stuff I've, I've been making in the past about like uh like oh, particular shit. influences you know like i had to do a whole i did a whole video on stalin and um that by the end of it i was like man i'm so bummed out <laughs> like he did what so it? many horrible stuff <laughs> like, it was so bad like, you're just learning about like these genocides and all these like nasty things and backstabbing you're like wow human beings are so evil and then you did think as well, didn't you? Saddam. Oh, yeah. Saddam was pretty bad too. Yeah, I had like a month where I only did like the most heinously evil people <laughs> off of these videos. <laughs> I was wondering why I had no faith in humanity anymore. And it was, yeah. That was your opportunity to put in a sick note and take six months off. Like, these guys have traumatized me. <laughs> yeah, I'm finished. I'm you washed up. You missed it now. <laughs> yeah. You took it too far. I mean, what, one of the other things, right? And this takes us back to last week when we were doing uh, Think and Grow Rich. So if you've not seen that, go back and watch the other video, guys. Uh, we did the Think and Grow Rich one last week, the mastermind effect, right? And another, uh, I've actually highlighted it on, on a piece of paper here. One of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is to join a culture where the desired, desired behavior is the normal behavior, which is what we were saying earlier. You are affected by the people who are close to you and you're affected by the many. And, and in some cases are powerful and there are or where you already have something in common with the group. And that is kind of like what I, what I do notice throughout everything that I do and, and every book that I read, it's got something to do with knowledge. Everything does rely on that mastermind principle, people joining or people like finding a specific coach that's already achieved what they want to achieve so they can help. Because if you're doing, if you've got a business doing 15 grand a month and you're in a situation where, uh, you want to take it to 25 grand a month. You can guess all day long. I should probably do this. Maybe I should do that. Or maybe this will work. Maybe that'll work. And you could spend five years doing that. Or you could go and spend 20 grand with somebody that's going to, that's going to teach you guaranteed like, okay, well, no, actually your next step is this, 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 then this. And then you're like, oh shit, right. Boom, done. And you've already, then you make 50 grand a month and then you're looking at, okay, what's the next step? And then what you want to do is look at somebody who's done a hundred grand a month in a similar setup and, and, and thingy, but it's the same thing. It's like you surround yourself with the people. And that's why I, I actively try to spend as much time as possible with people who are at the same level as me or, or who, who, who are higher up the, the thing than me. me. Me and Dave Castle learned so much from, from one another because he's, he does massive, massive money and, 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 and he, he makes mistakes. I make mistakes but we discuss our mistakes on almost a daily basis. 
Um, and we're like, ah, shit. So I'll phone him if I figure out something. It's like, guess what? I've just done 25 grand doing this and it's increased my monthly turnover by this much or my monthly profit by this much. And he'll be like, boom, right, I'm implementing it straight away. Um, we, I had one the other week where I'm, I'm in a meet. So webinars is a good example. Webinars as, from a mastermind thing, and it's people doing the same thing is I always, so I write webinars for people, but I also speak to everybody who does webinars um, and I'm not going to mention what it is on here, but one of my uh, friends called Herc, um, he taught me something to do as a follow on sequence for my webinars. And I was talking to you about it this morning. I think yeah. we've done about 15 grand in additional sales this week alone of something that in the past before last week was something where it was completely closed off and nobody could get access anymore. So literally I was throwing 15 grand a week in the bin and we've only just started doing it once that's been do, done on a much bigger scale. Um, and that was because I was in a situation where I was with people that are the same or above where I'm at in a certain in in, in a certain environment where th- th- that experience that experience is. And, and we're talking about habits, but if you're around those type of people, you will form the same habits that they've got, and you will learn things that they've done, and it'll become a habit of yours. Um, and making it pleasurable is one of the things where okay, yeah. I've done this on a webinar, and after all the webinar that I did last week is closed off. I've done an additional 15 grand on top of the webinars I'm doing this week in income. In fact, yeah, in income, simply because of the habit I picked up that I learned, but because it's become pleasurable because I'm enjoying it. Cause it's like fucking hell another 15 grand. Now yeah. I'm in a situation where I'm like, okay, I'll never not do that again because it became, it's, it, we've, we've set up a system to make it easy and it's now become obviously pleasurable because it's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. And you, you've also pointed out another really good habit there, which is to be self-reflective and to like look at look at what you're doing, whether it's working, whether it's not working, and to actually uh, point it out. And you're, you've got obviously you've got uh, people around you that you can point it out to and have that discussion with, which is I think one of the strengths of the mastermind. Um, but pointing out habits and and being like vocal about them, even if it's with yourself, is another huge part in the book and why that's you know how that pushes you forward with keeping good habits and getting rid of bad habits especially i think um being sort of reflective and calling yourself out for for doing bad habits is really important part of the book um they were saying uh what was the uh example they gave oh it was the um trains the people on the uh metro in tokyo the uh pointing and calling is what it was and uh yeah they would every system on the train in in going through Tokyo, they'd have a conductor and someone on the platform that would literally point with their finger and then shout exactly what they need to check and what they're about to do. And uh, yeah, and, and it's crazy how that that can work on your own um, in your own life. Like I had uh, a real issue when I was younger. I was probably from being a pussy and getting bullied in school. Uh, like negative self-talk was like a real issue. And uh, I noticed that it was an issue, which is the first part of realizing you've got a bad habit is the first part of breaking a bad habit which is good um but then i i um started calling it out to myself so whenever i uh whenever i was saying to myself like are you idiot i would be like hmm that was why did you do that that was weird and uh i would like make a point to be like don't do that and really like vocalize it and then i was reading um uh, could have been the book of five rings maybe I don't know. It's definitely a Japanese thing and a Japanese proverb. And it says like, uh, do not speak badly of yourself. The warrior inside you hears it 
uh, he hears your words and he is lessened by them. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm never going to negatively self-talk myself again. I think of that quote every single time I have a thought in my head, like, oh, that was no good. Or, you know, you're no good. You're not good enough. It's just like instantly gone because of that. And it's all just, that's just pointing and calling. So you've built a habit. I mean, the the they the stole the. Uh, I don't know if it was Japan or wherever it was that that, that, that where they did it. And it, but they, they they used the similar principle. It was either in the UK or the US. Yeah, it was um, in the US. US subway. And and they, they didn't do the calling. They just did the pointing. So everyone just pointed whenever it was something that was being done, and it, and it stopped accidents and thingies by about fifty seven percent. It's crazy how effective it is. Really, really system. crazy. But I think if we get back to the, the, the fundamentals of habits, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think this is to do with anything, and I think I asked you on the last one, what do you think the, 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 the key behind everything is when, when we were talking about people who get rich and make wealthy and things like that? And, and, and with this one, this week we're talking about positive habits and, and, and improving yourself in a positive way, but I think everything comes back to, to problem solving. Yes. I think that's 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 my my key to to, to everything is is like everything. Look at Elon Musk. All he's doing is solving problems that people didn't even realize existed. Jeff Bezos solved problems of of the distribution network being absolutely terrible and people are having to wait two weeks for deliverer. And now, totally. in some places, you can get two hour deliverer. Um, and I think that's that. I think that's the key to everything. I think there was a saying in the book that says, um, I think it was something like your habits are the modern day solution to what type of problems i think it was ancient problems ancient problems habits are the modern day solution to ancient problems and and when you look at it like that and then then you can look at anybody and say okay so so i don't know if this is the right word physiology is that is that the right word the physiology of a person yeah Um, let's go with it yeah i don't the physiology of, of every individual we all have the same needs and wants Yes. Or, or there or thereabouts at a fundamental level that, that they kind of then and if we if you can create a habit that that, that makes things easier i mean i mean i guess that's that's the same yeah. in, in 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 my book basically which is all about the um the one sentence marketing course which basically talks to you about um people will pay more for a faster um faster route to their desired outcome less yeah. um get a faster route to their desired outcome, uh, a higher bro- probability of success with less less effort um, or problems for them type of thing. And basically what it means is if you can make it, if you can give them the same outcome with a higher bal- probability of success and less um, less effort and make it faster, then yeah. you, that's, that's it. That's all you need to do is you look at any product, any product in the world, don't give a shit what it is you're looking at. Even like, like you coming to, to, to work today, right? I don't know how you, you probably drove to work. Yeah, right? but if if you could walk out of your door, stand on a plate, and all of a sudden just it fired and brought you straight to work without driving your car with that thingy in, and it was just a plate that shut you up in the air, brought you across, and dropped you outside the office, yeah. you'd be like, okay, I'm going to do that every day because it's easier than driving, it's faster, it guarantees I'm going to get there. There's a higher probability because I'm not going to crash 100. percent I'm not going to get stuck in traffic. I'm not going to have any problems, and it's less effort for you because you don't even need to start the engine. You don't need to start your car. Or so every single, and I don't give a shit what it is in life. If people understand that one little thing, I feel that all you need to do is figure out how to solve problems and, 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 and make it quicker, more efficient, and, 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 and try to increase. The, now, the, always the, the try to increase the probability of success is not as, as simple in, in all cases. However, if you can make it quicker and, and, and easier for them, then 
Yeah, it's worth a million dollars a year in any in any absolutely. Industry. Yeah, and I mean it's it's all just exactly that's what a habit is is more about it's it's about reducing friction that a problem yep. will cause you. It's um if you look at again like the reverse engineering, look at bad habits, they're all just so easy. Like they're all like the easiest things to do. You don't even think about them. That's what a good habit is, is something that you can do completely unconsciously. You just just you know you open the fridge door. How many times of in your life have you opened the fridge door and just stood there looking into your fridge like, what am I even doing here? And just because, it. yeah, because your brain is going, you know, it's just taking you over to your fridge because it's the habit, you know, you got to get in there. And, and that's like, you know, your monkey brain telling you, ah, look, there's like sugary, fat, fatty goodness that you can just like grab whenever you want. You've got to take it because, you know, we still have that hardware in our heads now. And we live in a world with like aeroplanes and TikTok <laughs> and we have like brains that are, you know, still on the savannah in Africa, like walking around th- trying not to get eaten. Yeah, I think I think that's another thing, right? Is people will always take um pr- in your mind, right? A a short term gain will always take precedent over a long term gain. So that that's why um people eat shit food because the 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 they put it in them and they're like oh this is lovely i like the sugar I like the thing they don't think to themselves right i'm gonna become obese and fat and unwell and diabetes and all the other crazy things it's that short-term pleasure over and i think i think we're hardwired for that and do you think that comes from like again like when when we were out on the savannas running away from lions trying to escape and it's like and so much just been killed jump on it eat as much of it as fast as you can before you have to run away before the lion comes type of thing absolutely yeah i 100 percent think that and i think it works the other way too like we learn very quickly from immediate like we get habits from immediate pleasure but we also can learn very quickly from immediate punishment so you very quickly learn as a kid to not touch the don't touch the oven. Don't touch the stove. You'll burn yourself. It doesn't matter. You know, your, your mom will tell you like a hundred times when you're a kid, but every kid has touched something on the oven and burnt themselves. And they very quickly learn to don't do that ever again because that sucked. And, uh, you know, pain, like the punishment element is a really quick teacher and so is pleasure. So I think you have to be really fast at learning when you're on the, not on the cusp of survival all the time. Um, and I think that's, that's where we get that from. Do you think probably the best, the best, the best learning from this book then would be to every time you're going to make a decision, look at whether it's got short term, a short term gain that, that that's far outweighed by the long term consequences, or whether it's got no short term gain but has long term benefits? Because I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm, I'm assuming most positive things, right, that we find hard to do. Okay, so most positive things that we find hard to do are things that you don't get any like like going to the gym so if i if i go to the gym every day for for, for for a week right let's say i'm trying to lose a stone and i go to the gym every single day for a week right i might lose a pound might lose two i probably won't lose anything right but then all of a sudden after a week i'm gonna start looking at this and thinking oh fuck this is not working however if i go to a doctor right and say i'll pay 20 grand give me a liposuction I come out in a few hours, maybe a bit sore, but within a week, I'm walking about as normal. The only difference is I've lost the stone that I wanted to lose. My skin's been trimmed into place, so I look 
cool uh, and you can see belly muscles here. So that short, short term, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot, I feel like most positives that we find hard to do, and I'm trying to think of one that's not, most positives that we find hard to do have long term benefits, not short term benefits. And that's why it's hard to stick to them. Whereas yeah. most negative habits have short term benefits, but long term negatives. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. Or perhaps we feel that they have short term benefits just by, you know, how they exist, but it can't, it, it, it doesn't always work out that way, especially with something like smoking. Yep. You think like I'm a non-smoker, so when I look at people smoking, I'm like, "What is the short? What is the benefit from that?" But it's like you know, it just can relax you. It has a ton of different things. It plays with your. It, it's all about changing the current sort of state that you're in. In That's fact, you, you were talking about smoking then, right? There's a guy called Alan Carr. I think he's dead now, actually. I think he died pretty young, but he released oh, no. a book called stop smoking yeah ah and, yeah i think right? they mentioned this one in the book right look at that book there yeah yeah i i've said this to you on more than one look at it i've struggled with i struggle with booze right for years and i always say right i'm quit i'm never going to do it again i've had enough i'm not i'm not going to drink ever again um and i'd do something stupid or i'd get in a fucking fight or i'd do something absolutely ridiculous or i'd fall out with my missus or whatever re- retarded thing that you do when you're drunk right <laughs> and i would be pissed off at myself for a week but then that quickly disappear and that, that book there alan carr stopped drinking now and he did the alan carr stop smoking now and what he's done is rather than taking it from a perspective of join the aa get someone that's going to be he takes it from the perspective of you're drinking because you're a fucking idiot right? You're drinking because it's a bad habit and, and, and society, because society is designed, right? Not society, but marketing is designed around alcohol, right? So that, I mean, so that people think it's okay, so that people think it's actually fine and it's, there's nothing wrong with it, right? And then you'd regularly see someone, uh, uh, like say Christmas, right? Where a responsible adult will say, oh, he's, he's okay. Like for a, a 13 or a 14 year old kid, right? Where a responsible adult will turn around and say, "All right, let him have a, let him have some books for his, let him have a, and it's like, what you're doing is you're giving your kid fucking drugs, right? But because it's been marketed to society to believe that it's okay, that oh well, it's alcohol, everybody does it. It's like no, it's the same as taking smack or heroin or any other fucking drug that becomes super addictive and can destroy. In fact, I think it destroys more lives than both of them two put together. I would right? say so because it's yeah, easier I- to get hold of. Exactly. And the only reason society believe it's fine is because the, we pay tax to the government on it. So the government say it's okay. And because we're all herd mentality, it's like follow, follow what the herd are doing. So now there's little, there's little huts set up everywhere, which we call pubs, which is designed for people to go in and get off their face with, with, with a drug that is literally killing millions of people all over the world every single year. And, and, and anyway, but I read that book uh, over two years ago now. And for the first time in my life, where, 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 so I was like 40. Um, and for the first time in my life, it was possible. And the reason I bought that book is because I came down one morning and I drank over a bottle of Maker's Mark in a night. Woke up fine next morning. Wasn't really pissed <laughs> the night before. Got up, getting the kids ready for school, doing all that. And looking, I thought, fuck me, I drank over a full bottle of that last night. It's 45%. And it's like, Jeez. that is definitely killing me. I'm not going to be around for my kids in a few years if I don't sort my shit out. So... I looked into everything. I started studying it. It's like what's worked for people, what hasn't worked for people. And the difference between what he did with his book over what everybody else did was he focused on the habits. 
he focused on the bad habits. He's like the things like if you walk into into a bar, right? Yeah. So when you do, when you overdrink, you're in a situation where you don't remember most of the night anyway. And what's the only thing you're going to miss out on is you're going to turn up at that bar, and I might have a conversation. I, I might turn up on a night out with you and four other people, and I'll be able to sit there and drink either alcohol free or I probably wouldn't. I'd probably drink water or coke or something, right? But what I'm, what I would do is I would I would not drink alcohol and I'd have intelligent conversations with you guys until you just got super pissed and then I'd be like, all right, everyone's talking shit, I'm going home. Right? Yeah. Whereas previously I'd be the one talking shit and my friends would be the ones going on like he's 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 gone him leaving to it. And then people are like, What did you get up to last night? And he's like, honestly, I only have patches of what I remember because we all got so wasted and ran around and made idiots of ourselves and so you don't even remember the, the positive sides of it properly because anyway, I'm going off on on, yeah, on a tangent no. here. But what Alan Carr did um and and he, he used to live right near where we lived in spain whilst he was alive um but while and car did with smoking what he did with, with losing weight what he did with with drinking um and what he did with a lot of other things that he, he wrote these books around was he focused on the habit and he, and he focused on letting you see the real habit for what it was and i think with me because i love marketing so much I, I kind of had never understood that that from a marketing perspective, even the government are pushing alcohol, even though you don't realize it, but because they get so much tax off it, they want people to drink it. I mean, I, I, I mean, they, they'll they'll show a Christmas dinner where everyone sat with a glass of wine. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, but nowadays they won't show a Christmas dinner where everyone sat smoking a cigarette. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely did back yeah, in the day, a hundred percent. When I was a kid, I used to walk into a cafe and everyone was smoking. But then if you take it back even further, like in California, now they've legalized smoking pot, right? And smoking pot's probably better for you than smoking cigarettes, right? But imagine, imagine they did a Christmas dinner, if they, a family thing, you're on an advertisement and everyone sat there skinning up or everyone sat there smoking <laughs> a big joint and like, yeah, man, it's fucking awesome. It's like, but Granny's everyone, eating the whole turkey. Yeah, people would <laughs> be super, super outraged, wouldn't they? They'd be like, you yeah. can't do that. That is fucking disgusting. You're teaching people that smoking weed's for... But how many... How many people, I mean, there's a psychological effect that you get from smoking pot, which is bad. Um, Mm. And it it slowly makes you paranoid and shit like that. But it's nowhere near as bad as drink. You don't go out and drive your car and run over fucking somebody. Or you don't uh, get in, you don't walk down the street and get in a fight with random people for no reason at all. You don't fucking die of alcohol poisoning. It doesn't mangle your insides in the same way, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, I, 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 I... I've got no problem with 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 people smoking weed. I don't smoke pot anymore, but it's not because I don't like smoking pot. It's because it makes me paranoid, and I'm getting. I don't want to be paranoid, so I don't do it. Right, which is a, a like a nice negative for you to focus on, so you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. People that only experiences uh, that only experience the positives are going to find that a lot harder to drop because they're you know they they're not getting the same kind of uh, punishment. They're not getting kicked up the ass to go, yeah, I should stop this. Um, there's a cool part of the book that says about good habits. And uh, it's talking about um, the smoking thing, actually. I was going to get back to you on that. Is You know, they have the the packets of the um, tobacco now has have like horrible, like blackened lungs and like dying babies and stuff on the, on the front of them. Yep. And uh, he says in the book how they don't do anything to make people quit smoking that they actually, they stop people from starting because you look at it and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. So you don't go near it. But they don't stop people from actually smoking because when they see the image, they start to feel panic or like a bit of, you know, a bit of anxiety. Oh man, is that happening inside of me? Oh man, am I killing my kids? Oh, you know, I'm worried about that. And then 
the cue is worry and the craving is a cigarette. Yeah. And then so they, get, they get down about it and then they start smoking. Exactly. And you end up trapped in that. I've got a friend who he knows he shouldn't be smoking. He, kn- he knows that he shouldn't. And he, every year he starts working out and he's like, oh man, I can feel it in my lungs. I need to get rid of the need to, to ditch the cigarettes. And um, you can tell him logically what he's doing, but it's just, you know, it's what he has to do is make the bad habit really hard to do, which yeah. probably by chucking away the cigarettes, not buying anymore. And uh, if you've got a mate that smokes, you, you don't see that guy for a little while if he's going to offer nope. you cigarettes nope. or drop him a message. Say, I don't smoke. Don't offer me a cigarette. No, nope. um, my, my mom, my mom died of cancer through smoking lung cancer. And, and we had to sit and watch her waste away to almost nothing in agony and pain and everything else. And everybody in the family stopped smoking. Um, but my sister um, has since, and my youngest brother has since restarted smoking again. And it's like, how the fuck can you do that after? But it's the same, it's the same with, um, with people who have an eating problem, right? People, people eat because or, or in a lot of cases they eat because, they feel negative about something or they feel like they're, like they're negative about themselves. They've been body shamed or there's something along those lines. So the negative habit is to eat more. So what yeah. they're trying to do is not eat more. But as soon as they sit, as soon as they get home and they sit down and they're like, God, I can't even walk proper anymore because I'm in so much pain because I'm so overweight and because I've had these problems. So then they start feeling negative about it. And what they do as a habit when they feel negative is they eat. So it's kind of a big vicious circle. I actually purchased a domain name a few years back. I don't know if I've still got it or I've let it go, uh, but it was it was something like murderforprofit.com. Okay. Right? And and basically that was kind of what I was going to start. And I never got round to it because I've been so busy with business. I mean, obviously as an entrepreneur, that's kind of what you do. You have about 50 different things you try and focus on and you don't end up focusing on them all. But my, mine was to do with sugar and the sugar industry and and how uh, probably the biggest marketing um fraud of all time was calling fat fat and calling sugar 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 should have been called fat okay because sugar is the thing that makes you fat sugar is the thing that kills you sugar is the thing that causes all these different types of diseases and illnesses whereas if you avoid sugar completely and you just eat fat you'd be healthy and it was kind of like murder for profit was all about look what what's actually happening is is these big companies are making shit loads of profit by selling you something that they're, they're calling low fat and they're calling healthy they're calling, uh, and what's happening is they are actually killing people for profit, they're actually killing people with obesity, and 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 the UK is getting really, really bad. Um, really when, bad. when I've been when I've been to the states, I mean, I remember going to uh, that that big theme park in America in, in Florida, Disneyland. Disneyland. I remember going to Disneyland, and I remember seeing families. Okay, not 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 just the mum and the dad who were super fat, but I remember seeing the family, like the mum, dad, the two kids, on these these bike these these, these carts, super fat, driving around. Uh, Florida, like your kids should be running around, you should be healthy, and and it's not the kids' fault, and it's not the parents' fault. It's marketing the shit that they're marketing to people, especially calling it healthy. Like a doctor will tell, will tell you to eat more, more, more pasta and more carbohydrates and more all of this shit that's actually fucking you up. Yeah, because obviously doctors mustn't be trained properly in nutrition, or maybe they're not allowed to tell you the truth about well, nutrition because they're supposed to sell you drugs because they're drug dealers. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is just not being necessarily like specialized. And I remember seeing a doctor once and they literally Googled my symptoms. I, was like, I could have done that yeah. at home, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, the, well, I had the same experience when I went to Florida for the first time, I was amazed by the people on those trolleys that blew my mind. And, um, yeah, I, I I was uh, with a girl from from the Czech Republic, so sort of like Central Eastern Europe. And when she came to visit me in the UK, 
like all we talked about when we went out like the first few times we went out just me and her we're just like oh that person's so fat oh my god i can't <laughs> believe how fat that person is because she was like not They've used to it. it she She's wasn't used to that it. many obese people because even though you know, the czechs have like they're pretty heavy drinkers there's a few there's a few like big people over there but it's not the same like their eating habits are totally different totally different like people learn to cook there and they people I, just I, don't know how to cook here i remember living in spain it was it was a similar situation um yeah most of the people that lived on all of the junk food and the crap but but don't get me wrong when i was living in spain the 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 the, the diet that we have whereas the diet they have has got a lot of a lot of olives and a lot of oils and a lot of things is gradually working its way into to all all countries in Europe and and I think it's the same that it's all about marketing it's all it is actually murder for profit it is actually these big companies like Nestle and people like that and um fucking which any right but Nestle is one of the, one of the ones that was in the thing the most because of something to do with the addictive stuff behind what it is they sell I remember yeah. reading all about it uh but they're all all of them Nestle Mars Snickers Cadbury's fucking the lot I don't care what what junk food they sell every single one of the the, the, the companies are actually providing selling things that are super addictive that are completely from a caloric perspective they've got no value whatsoever and it's just about that craving it's just about hooking people the way that you're hooked on alcohol the way that you're hooked on drugs is is just as bad with sugar i think i read something i can't remember where it was that sugar is more addictive than cocaine that's um, crazy and when you think of it like that that is why in the 70s obesity wasn't an issue um and now in the 2020s um I think it's it's one of the biggest killers in in the UK, the US, and, and various other real Westernized countries. Yeah. Whereas if you was to go over to, let's say, you went over to Afghanistan now, I, I don't think you'll see that many fat people. I don't it, think you'd see any. Yeah, and 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 most countries that are not like I, I believe most countries that are not set up the way we are, where every single shop and every single thing is designed is is packed out with 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 just junk food that's killing people because uh, is diabetes one of the biggest killers as well um yeah i think that so. all complications from it at least it's like with obesity it's like heart disease as well obviously is a massive complication from that and that's a massive killer of men for sure especially of men not of women yeah uh w- yeah women the heart disease is pretty high for women too but for men it's it's higher like most most men die of, i think most men die of heart disease I'd love to know what the actual figures were on that from like it's pretty mad because I now. looked it up and it was like obviously male suicide is really high in young men, which is horrible. But then I think after taking your own life, it's heart disease, which is probably from from bad diets. To be honest, yeah, I'm not um, finding it. Um, is heart disease more prevalent today than it was 50 years ago? Since the 1960s, the US has watched heart disease death rates decline more than 70 percent wow just a large part of the decrease in yeah but i don't know if this is real i'm just reading it from <laughs> med.org so i don't know if they're full of shit or they're telling the truth from the baseline level in 1969 to 1972 to 2012 coronary heart disease mortality decreased from 643 to 118 deaths per 100,000. so it looks like that's actually degree the de- decreased hmm. but obesity is going up it's interesting. 
Uh, yeah, that's why I just that's why I thought I'd search it then because chill out interests me. I'm really interested yeah. in stuff like that. My mate, when I lived in Spain, um, he lives out in Spain um, and he's got diabetes and he suffers so much. In fact, I, I employed a guy about ten years ago as well who had it and and when when in the middle of the summer so he had diabetes and you would never expect him to have diabetes he was called gary this guy uh not the guy in spain my mate who's got it as well but um he was called gary and and sometimes he'd start slurring and he'd start saying weird words and i was like what the fuck is wrong with you and he's like he'd have to get this pen out and inject himself in the stomach yeah but to the outside world he looked like an mma fighter he was like ripped up he was muscular wow. he was short muscular looked in, in in amazing condition he'd been in the army for absolute years and then he'd come back over here and he was doing close protection work and stuff like that. Um, and then he started working for me. God knows why he came working for me because close protection probably paid more, but it probably <laughs> to do with his diabetes. They yeah, I mean, like, probably couldn't keep unreliable. up. But I, I believe it was probably steroids or something that did it to him. I don't know. Oh, but, okay. Um, there's type. There's two types, isn't there? There's type one and type two. And like people are people are born with type one, aren't they? But type two is what you can get from, from eating I, a poor diet. That might be it then, because whenever I was, I went out for a meal and stuff with him, and we'd sit and we'd be having a conversation about whatever we were doing for work. And every night, I remember him getting out this pen first time. I never knew he had it when he first started yeah. working for me, and he had to lift up his stomach and, and inject himself in the stomach. But he started bl- like not like blubber, blubber, like not, not talking properly. Yeah, like I was like, what the fuck is wrong? With it? And as soon as that happens, and I noticed it, he's like, oh shit, right, need me pen, bang, ding, did this thing in his stomach. And within a matter of seconds, he was fine again. Yeah. But again, that's 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 another thing going back to addiction, um, which is a bad habit, which is sugar, which obviously causes insulin spikes up and down, up and down, up and down, which exactly. then causes your body to no longer respond the same to insulin. Which in in, in itself, it doesn't matter how much insulin your body's producing because your body's not reacting to it correctly. Then you become diabetic because your blood sugars go all crazy, and eventually. If you keep eating loads and loads and loads of sugar and your body stops reacting to insulin, it's going to keep going up and up and up like this. So the sugar level is going to go up and it's going to eventually put you up and kill you because if your body stops doing what it's supposed to do, when it when, with the insulin stops doing what it's supposed to do inside your body, you then can't control your blood sugars. You're then screwed. So rather than turning around and saying to people, stop eating all this fucking shit, instead they say, just inject this every single day. And, 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 and every time you eat something with a lot of sugar in it, do this, which is going to bring it back down, which is basically all it's doing is, is a slow 1% a day. Like we were talking, like we talked about the 1% change every single day. This is basically reducing your body's effects to insulin, that 1% at a time, making it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and killing you and taking yeah. you rather than saying, stop fucking eating loads of sugar and get that on a level feel. And you shouldn't need to take this stuff anymore, which I know a lot of people who've done that by going onto the, is it called a keto diet? Yeah, that's like the low that you don't eat certain things, right? To you avoid not, carbohydrates. Yeah, much carbs, altogether. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you avoid yep. carbs and keto. Yeah, and that's all about yep. spiking your insulin and stuff like that, isn't it? Well, I think yeah, I think if because um, I was I was watching something from a doctor the other week, and he, he was saying that people don't realize it, but you have a no matter what you eat, whether it's sugar or not sugar, you have a, you have an insulin spike in your body. Mm-hmm. So your body still has an insulin spike no matter what it is you eat. So every time you eat, that's why fasting's good for you. Because if you're only eating four hours a day, that insulin spike, and if you try and eat ketogenic diet and you fast for, for 20 hours a day, you're then in a situation where you, but you, your blood sugars never never spike, plus you also your body gets into repair mode during the 20-hour period. So you're not like somebody who eats sugar on a regular basis. Let's say you have five snacks a day. It's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Your body's pumping insulin back out, in, out, in, out. Your body's becoming less and less reactive to the insulin as you get older. That's why a lot of people, I, I assume, get fat as they get older. Uh, because yeah, the body's done that absolutely. many insulin spikes over the years, whereas 
what 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 happens when you when you fast is obviously you don't have them insulin spikes the same and if you fast and then eat low sugar but i think the keto diet is does keep your blood sugar levels the same by eating a lot of fat and a lot of protein and less sugar and carbs wow this has really gone on a, 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 a <laughs> we went off into the off into the weeds yeah. of that one um yeah, yeah. No, and it's kind of the same what you were talking about how if you're eating that stuff all the time your insulin like the the production of it gets diminished um that's kind of how it is when you start a bad habit and you're like in your brain it starts to diminish how bad it is and it yep. just becomes like you know second nature it's a habit isn't it so um i think that can happen really easily and like we were saying before about reducing the friction and solving problems bad habits are super easy to do so um that's like i think probably the hardest part is is to get rid of bad habits but um the the other thing about sort of making it easy that it was saying um in the book was about sort of like always just getting your reps in you don't have to be perfect you don't you can have an off day you can eat a slice of pizza one day the main thing is is that you're most of the time doing what you need to do to become the identity that you've sort of like you know chosen to to follow and uh yeah it's like have you uh I've probably heard the saying when you were in doing martial arts and stuff like drillers make killers. Never heard that. No, no. Okay. So it's like about, so basically if you practice all the time, if you're drilling constantly, you'll end up being real smooth. You'll be, you'll be, uh, you know, your, your technique will be really fast and, and, um, and sharp. Whereas, you know, if you're only, if you're only sparring or if you're only drilling something like three times and then trying to hit it on someone, like you're going to, you're going to fail a lot. So it's all about just getting your reps in, just going again and again. And, um, that, that beats perfection. Like that's, that's what beats talent and, and all of that stuff. And why as well, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself when you fail because you just got to keep practicing. My son's a proper perfectionist, right? So he does lots of things. He does karate. He does all sorts of crazy stuff. But the, another thing he does is piano lessons. So then he's playing this thing, right? Where and and he's got both hands doing this in all different places, and I'm like, this is ridiculously good because you're like 11 years old. Um, And then he was trying to play this one song before he went to his piano lesson the other day, and he's like, I've been able to do it perfect for four days, and then before the 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 piano lesson today, I can't get it perfect. I keep making a mistake on this little chord. And my answer to him always is 10,000 hours. I always say it to him. So so whenever he's trying to think, he's like, I'm struggling with this, and it's like, oh great, how many hours in total have you have you have you worked at this one thing? And he'll turn around. And if he tries to work it out, it's never more than two or 300. So I'm always like, mate, every, if you want to become an expert, you have to do 10,000 hours. Then he start asking random questions like, so if I do 9,999, <laughs> I'm like, right, you're 99.999% of an expert. But whatever it is, if you try and hit 10,000 hours of anything you want to become good at, then you're in a situation where you're going to be an expert no matter where you start from. And that's kind of one of the things. And, and, and another thing that I was reading, I've actually got it wrote down here on a piece of paper. It says human experience, peak motivation when working on tasks that are right on the edge of their current abilities. Okay. Yeah. Um, the greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. I wrote that down and put it on a piece of paper on my desk. Me because too. I thought, it's right in front of me. <laughs> I thought that is genius because that is the situation. What you do is if you put somebody in a position, right, and they're doing the same thing all day, every single day, right, that becomes a bad habit. And it doesn't become a bad habit because th- what the outcome of what they're doing could be good for the business, mm-hmm. for you, for them personally, whatever it is, right? However, you get bored out of the fucking mind of it. It's never going to want to improve and increase. So you always have to be looking at, okay, what's the next step that's going to keep them motivated? And the next step that's going to get them motivated. And how are we going to 
make sure that these people because that when I read that, I I totally agree with it. Whenever I'm I get to the point where I'm like right, I'm bored out of my mind with this now. I'm gonna I'm gonna like when I gave my business away. Most people are like you you completely stupid. Why would you give a business away when I could have sold it and and probably got I don't know two three four five hundred k for it. Yeah, uh, and I was like, well, I was bored of it. I didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't a challenge anymore. And I don't thrive on making money. I thrive on challenging myself to be able yeah. to become do things that where people are like, now nah, that's never going to work. And it's like, I'll show you that it will. Yeah. So it didn't have value to you. That's why you felt like you could give it away because it wasn't challenging you. Plus it, it means I don't have to give my brother and sister a job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I give them a company and let them do what they want. And that, that the stress levels that'll change for me is like, okay, well, I, I like gave it. them the business. I still pay for the servers and the websites and all the other stuff that is involved. Um, I think he even pays someone to do the SEO for him, actually. But they run the business and keep all the cash because it's like, you know what? It means I don't have that issue where I have to think it. But whether they will ever actually make a massive success of that business, I, I doubt very much. I think it was Russell Brunson who said it. He, he says he had, he had people in his mastermind. And what he's done is some people paying 50 grand to be in a group mastermind where they turn up and they spend one month, one day a month or something stupid like that. Um, or they paid 50 grand to be in the, in the room. And he said, and many, many times over the years, what he's done is he has actually given um, his friends and family members access to this, this 50 grand mastermind so they can come in and they can sit and they can spend time in there and, and, and um, learn everything that the people that spent 50 grand. Now he says, basically the people that have spent 50 grand to be in the room, have got almost 99% success rate. Right. The people that have come in for free, have never even once, none of them have ever built a successful business off the back of what they've learned because they don't give it any value and they don't give it any value because they've not had to literally put their hand in the pocket and say, right, I've worked to make this 50K. I'm going to invest this 50K in this and then I'm going to work even harder to make this into five, six, seven, eight hundred, 900K or whatever it is that, they t- that their target is, or their challenge is. So they challenge themselves, whereas the people that got it for free, like, wow, yeah, there was some real cool, interesting stuff. And now I'm going to go back to work in the call center tomorrow um, and explain to people all this cool knowledge I've now got that I'm never going to do anything with because I don't value it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to have that, you know, to have that kind of, it is motivation in a way, but it is also just, you know, investment to be invested in something. And I think that that's, you know, writing stuff down, really important part of the whole habit process is saying things to yourself, writing them down. Um, he says about um, ticking on like a calendar, like when you've got a hot streak. I don't know if you've ever tried to learn another language, but there's an app called Duolingo, which you can have a, um, yeah. a like a, you basically get like a language learning streak, gives you some words to learn every day. And you've got to try and get your streak all the way up. And I've got, I know people that have like 400 day streaks and like 600 day streaks and stuff like that, which is pretty insane. It's like, you know, very impressive. Uh, I've never been able to make it past 30 because the reason why is because I always set a goal as do 30 days and then okay. I hit it and I go, Oh, I hit 30 days. And then like two days later, I forget it. Yep. It happens it's every like, single time. So you shouldn't, it should be a case of just to see how long you can actually keep the streak running for. And when you get to 30 days, you've not hit a target or a thingy because hitting right, well, those targets. It's my a, goal it's a, should be to learn another language. Yeah, exactly. It is an anticlimax. Like my goal should be to learn another language, not to do thirty days on Duolingo. Like you need to like. That's but, why it needs to be. That, like, that's 
That's what it says in the books. Don't learn and don't don't have a goal to learn another language. Instead, set up a system where you have a habit of studying another language for 20 minutes a day. Nothing else. Right. Nothing beyond that, right? I'm going to go. And, and he says, do it in a two minute increment. So instead of actually saying, I'm going to do 20 minutes a day on this, turn around and say, I'm going to spend, I'm going to learn another language for two minutes a day. Because as long as you walk into that situation and you spend two minutes doing it, on the days where you feel motivated, you will do it for longer. But on the days where you don't feel motivated, you'll do the two minutes and you'll close it and think, right, well, I've done my thing. I've got to do two minutes tomorrow, two minutes. And that's why he says, make the habit not of going to the gym for two hours a day, but instead make the habit of going to the gym. Even if you're yeah. only going to do one set of, of, of bench press for, for two minutes and leave, you have to turn up. He said, it's yeah. not about insisting that I'm going to do two hours a day. It's, it's the turning up that matters. You make sure you get there every single day. And if on the day you don't feel like it, then don't do it as much but you turn up and you at least start. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, that was a great bit of, I, I, that reminds you, he said, professionals stick to the schedule. Amateurs let life get in the way. Um, yes. uh, sorry, not let life get in the way. Let it get in the way. Get let, no, no, let life get in the way. Actually. Yeah. Professionals stick to the schedules. Amateurs let life get in the way. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was so, because in business, a bad habit is the busy work. I find that, I, I well, you you know me better than most. I don't let any of the what, what's my biggest biggest thing when someone says, "All right, we've got to do this." This is who gives a shit. What's the what's yeah. the, what's the what what do we need to what's what's the end goal? Right, what's essential? Right, fuck all the little things. We'll figure that out. They'll figure themselves out, or they might, they might not. But who who gives a shit? I, and and another saying I always like to say is, "Nothing we do here is important." Yeah, that's, a, it really that's isn't. a good one. Calms everyone down as well. It's good uh, it's good leadership worth, tactic. Yeah, it's not worth stressing about. It's like, do you know what? It's like, you can only, uh, you can only, like Lauren's perfect. She's amazing. She's brilliant. She's fantastic at everything she does. But if she's got 15 things on her to-do list for the day, she's like, and these are things, it's like, you don't, which is the most important, right? Which one's going to drive everything else forward? And the rest of that shit will still be there next week, the week after, the week after that. If it, if it becomes a priority at that time, then, then, we, then we, we, we worry about it. But at the minute, nothing we do is important. And I loved living by that because I never, you, have you ever seen me stressed out? nope and you probably never will um because i don't <laughs> let it happen i don't let anything stress me out ever um because it isn't worth it the only thing that stressed me out would stress me out is my kids if something bad happened with my kids or they need something other than that if my house burned down i'm just moving to a hotel it's just a yes. thing it's not important it doesn't matter it's made out of bricks and it'll totally. maybe be there when i'm dead it maybe it won't I'm trying to think just... of who it was i think it was edison who said like uh his like whole life work just uh, he had a factory with all of his like inventions and all of his factory equipment and stuff in it. And he was in his sixties, I think at the time, and it just burnt down It massive inferno. And, um, his son comes running and he's just like, Oh my God, like, what are we going to do? And, um, he goes, go and get your mum and tell her to bring all of her friends. They're never going to see a fire like this again. <laughs> and, like, and like they, 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 yeah, he, he just was like, well, we'll, we'll, We'll build it back. It's fine. My my mum, right, we had nothing growing up. Absolutely nothing. I mean, most of the houses we lived in didn't even have carpets, right? So we always had wooden floorboards, no curtains. It was like, and we moved every six weeks. It was all, and my mum, one of the the things she always used to say is, don't worry about it, Michael. The things you won't end up owning you, right? And nowadays, like, obviously we've got things now, 
but I don't have any important, like I'll get a brand new car and I'll hit something with it. And I'm like, it's just a fucking car. I don't care. <laughs> I'll carry on bumping things with it. It's like, this is not a person that you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But she always used to say the things you won't end up owning you. And nowadays, whenever we're going to buy something, right. So it's like, okay, my missus might want a new, a new, a new sofa for the living room or she might want a, I, whatever it is she wants doing. And, and she's like, Oh, they've got interest-free credit. And that's something that always, it's like, no, no, no. If, if you've not got the cash out there to buy it, we don't buy it anything ever because I don't want the things you own. And because if you've got a responsibility that you, and, and we're lucky enough not to be in that situation where money's not really an object. However, if you've got a responsibility to, to, to 50 different companies where you owe them money every single month, and then you want to, you know, you think to yourself, you know what, let's fuck up to Australia. Let's just move to Australia and start again. And then you're in a situation where it's like, okay, well, we can't because we owe this and we owe this and we owe this and we owe this. And we've got to continue paying that for the next two years, even though it's interest free, the things you own end up owning you. Uh, and and really? that, that, that basically brought me up in a situation where I don't value anything other than people. I, have, yeah. I don't put any value on, on anything that I own. Something gets broke, something gets damaged, something gets done. It's like, it's just a fucking thing. I don't care. They, um, they talk about that in the book a little bit as well. They mention the Diderot effect, the, yes. um, about the the chap who he's really poor, but he writes great encyclopedias, and then it, word gets out that his daughter is going to get married, and he has no money for the wedding. And um, I think is it Catherine the Great, the Empress of Russia at the time? She like offers to buy, grand. yeah, Catherine the Grand, which is the value of one hundred and fifty thousand now. Yes. And she even offers to pay him like a salary just to keep watching over the books and keep doing what he's doing. And uh, he, he's like, that's brilliant. So to celebrate, obviously he does his daughter's wedding, but to celebrate, he buys himself like a robe, a nice gown. And then he's sitting in his crappy looking house with this nice red robe. And he's like, well, I've got to get a nice chair to sit in now. And then he has a nice chair in his crappy looking house. And he's like, well, I better sort the carpets out and the curtains and the walls. And, the, and it just goes on and on and on. And yeah, like you said, it ends up owning you. It, it becomes you, it becomes your identity. Um, you have to be very, very careful about what you give power over you. And that actually does go to another thing where, where there's, there's that, that Diderot effect is basically when you purchase anything, you, you, you enter what's called a buying frenzy from mm-hmm. a marketing perspective. So, so that's why things like upsells, uh, right? So, so, so the first sale of, of trying to sell anything to anybody, you need to get, build authority. So, so basically what you want to do is, you want to build authority in you. You want to try and generate commitment for them. You want to cover any of their objections, right? Um, you want to probably muster some sort of hope. It's like, this is what it's going to look like in the future. You're going to look like this. You're going to, and it's going to change your life. Like Then when you try and sell, when you sell them something, right? Um, you've already gone through all that. And then, so you've, you've, you've convinced them to make that first purchase, that one purchase, right? But then hitting them with a second purchase a lot of people make the mistake of trying to redo the whole fucking sale of saying, right, now we need to again build authority and we need to again, again give them hope and commitment and all the rest. Of it. And it's not, you enter what's called the bright buying frenzy and you'll probably have noticed it yourself is if you go and buy a pair of trainers in, in, in say green, you might all of a sudden think, you know what, I want these in blue and red and pink and fucking orange and every other color they've got. And you'll just buy them all. You don't need to be, you'll spend three days looking at a pair of trainers where you want to purchase these, these, these things. And it's like, do I want to spend 200 quid on a pair of trainers? And then when you've done it once, it's like, right, now I want all three. I want them in all three or four or five <laughs> colors. And all of a sudden, you're a grand down and you're like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I'm yeah. only ever going to wear the blue ones. But this happens in marketing all the time. And this is why people call it a sales funnel now. But basically what it is, is it's just an upsell. 
you 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 have to you have to convince once, but the second you you've got them to buy and say right, I'm going to pay thirty nine ninety nine a month for this, and it's like right, well if you want an extra ten seats in there, we'll do you this for two hundred dollar one time fee. And then as soon as they've done that, it's like, well, would you like us to also set up your system for you? And that'll cost you another $250. And you like us to... And all of a sudden, they, they were signing up for a $29.99 or $39.99 a month setup. They've spent $1,000 with you and they've signed up for this subscription. Um, and it's, it's, that's, that's the same thing with Dinner Off. Yeah. You kind of enter a buying frenzy, exactly. um, they call it. And a lot that's of they put... use it for for badness. Like they, they use it ne- badly. They send you a product that's got 50% of what's necessary completely missing. And then you have to upsell. So you hit that buying frenzy. It's like, shit, well, I'm already committed now. So I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy, buy this. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it should be, it, it, it kind of should be almost illegal when they do that. Yeah, they should sell you a full a product that does everything that's necessary. And then if you want to have more seats, for example, or you want to use more resources inside of the setup, then that should be legitimately. It's like, okay, you're going to get enough resource for the $39.99 a month and everything in the system's unlocked. However, if you want additional resource, a different thing, it's going to cost us on the service, so it costs you more money. But a lot of people don't do that. They're, yeah. Scumbags. It, gaming is, the gaming industry has had that really badly recently. Yeah. A lot of people have become very disenchanted with it, and which is good because they've gone towards sort of indie gaming, which is less like, I think there's less like play loops and it, that way you can break your gaming habit. If like me, when I was a teenager, I had a pretty serious gaming habit. Um, but like, the, and, and the way I the way I beat that was uh, I, an identity thing. Again, was I played I don't know four or five hours of of games every day. I'd come home from school, I'd play games, then I'd eat eat my dinner, and I'd go back and I'd play more games. Um, and I the games I liked were MMOs, like massively multiplayer online games. And um, in these games, you'd have a character, and you'd be building up your character to get stronger and stronger every. You know, you you do a bunch of like I don't know, kill some bosses, kill some monsters, and they'd give you some like a new sword and a new hat or something like that. You'd be like, great, my power level's gone up. And it wasn't until I got into martial arts that I noticed that I'm like, hang on a second, like if I delete my get this game right now, everything I've done, all of this stuff I've worked for for you know huge amounts of hours every week, um, is gone. And it's disappeared and none of it was real ever. However, if I go and spend a similar amount of time or, you know, obviously less because your body would fall apart. But in martial arts classes, I can treat myself like I'm the main character of this game, (laughs) powering myself up all the time. And it's the same now with the that's why I'm so interested in doing this with the reading and uh, and working on the writing thing. It's like, yeah, I am literally I have to treat myself like the main character. I was spending four hours, five hours a day working on like a pixelated version of myself is crazy. <laughs> it's insane. But somebody like, else owns. Yeah, that's true. That's another element of that, which is weird because I don't even have the rights to it. Yeah. There's, there's nothing else. There's knowledge. There's that's it. There's knowledge. Even though you're, you're obviously working on making your body more, more tougher and, and better reactively and everything else. But that all comes from having the knowledge that you're learning whilst you're taking on the techniques and everything else. And when people understand that the only thing like and like a lot of people won't spend five grand on a training course. I'll happily spend five grand on a training course, right? And the reason I'll happily spend five k on a training course is because I know full well that that knowledge, I've then got it forever. No one can ever take it away from me. Nobody can ever, even if let's let's say I accidentally run someone over out there today, and they say, "Well, well, it's actually your fault. So you're going to prison for five years." 
I'd still get out of prison in five years time and be in a situation where I could build another successful business probably within six months. I'd be back on my feet. I'd, I'd, I'd be living in a big house. I'd have a new car. I'd have staff again. I'd have all the same shit that I've got now within six months because I know how. Mm. Whereas a lot of people are like, ah, well, I don't want to spend five grand on that course there to learn this. But what I will do is I'll, I'll upgrade my car so I've got heated seats um, and I've got heated leather seats that cost an extra five grand on my car because what you're getting a warm ass. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. And and that's why it's really important to, to work on breaking your bad habits and learn on like cultivating good habits is because once you have the knowledge of, uh, and the self-belief that comes from, Oh, you know, I was a smoker, but I beat smoking. I don't smoke anymore. I'm not a smoker anymore. That is, that's a, that's a superpower. And you can really take that forward and apply that in other elements of your life. And I think that, um, that's one of the strengths of the book It's 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 huge because you can, once you know, it's like the victories, you set little victories. Oh, you know, I, I won't, I'll write for two minutes. I'll write for 10 minutes. I'll write for half an hour. And then those little victories add up. And then eventually you're like, wow, if I could do that in this area, then why can't I, I would just transfer that and do it in another area too. And, and so become very successful and happy. If, hopefully is the main thing. If, if you was trying now, to encapsulate everything that you've learned from the book in a single sentence like let's 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 just let's draw this one in let's let's just figure right. out if you was to encapsulate the whole book in a single sentence what would you say i know what mine is i'm going to see if you're going to say the same thing oh jeez. okay um hmm you're testing me now if i could encapsulate it in in a single sentence uh it would be like something about small change, probably like small daily changes can, yeah, add up to make or compound to make huge results in the future. Almost identical to what I'm about to say. Mine, nice. mine is, I've actually wrote <laughs> mine down. So I took from the book just, just, just four words, actually. Habits plus deliberate practice. And, 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 and I was going to say habits plus practice, but I kept the word deliberate practice. Habits plus deliberate practice equal mastery. If you build a habit, like you deliberately practice every single day, you'll become a master at anything you want to try and do. But it's all about doing those want them tiny little changes. There was something in the book that says the tighter we cling to an identity, the harder it becomes to grow beyond it. And when I read that, and I was thinking to myself, that's completely true. And if 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 people know that you're you you you're a drinker, it's like, oh, I go to the pub every week with my mates, and I drink at the pub. We drink fifteen pints, and it's like, then when you go back to that pub one week, and you're like, do you know what, guys, I'm just gonna have a water this week. All your mates are like, you fucking pussy. But realistically, that habit, you've built that habit yourself. So 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 in my, in my opinion, the whole book in in, in four words is. Habits plus deliberate practice equal mastery. And I think if you remember that one thing from the whole book, I feel like if you put that on a wall somewhere on, on a thing and just remember habits plus deliberate practice, it's like, okay, I want to be a guitarist. So what do I do? I form the habit of playing every single day. I deliberately practice every single day. And within six months, I'll be a decent player. Within two years, I'll be brilliant. Yeah. And I think if you if you reflect on how you're practicing look at the the laws the four laws that they set out in here making it obvious making it attractive making it easy and then making it satisfying as well then i think that that's something that any you know you you can probably create a habit to do 
pretty much anything. Obviously, there's a limitation. He says at the end about like there's physical limitations. Obviously, like if you're you're not going to be a swimmer if you're like five foot two, like you're not going to be like a pro swimmer. But you could learn how to swim if you practice to swim every day, and then you know you could join a club. You could get better definitely. So I think he talks about Michael Phelps, doesn't he? Saying he's he got does. a long body and short legs, and yes. then he talks about a runner who was like so so i think michael phelps is six foot two and he talks about some runner that's like five foot six or something but that runner actually has the same inside leg measurement as michael yeah, phelps that's so crazy had, yeah he got the long legs which made him a, a great long distance runner and, and in such a small body so it's like those legs are carrying less less weight less thingy whereas he's got such yeah. a long big heavy body little short legs they're great in the water because there's no weight on them and they can kick faster because <laughs> they're little. Yeah. But as soon as you put them in a, in a running situation, he's probably not going to get very fast. So I thought that was a, a brilliant thing. Yeah. So we, we, we're going to do this again every week now, moving forward. Um, and so, so for those who want to study along with us, who want to be part of what it is we do, I believe, have you got the book on your desk that we're going to do next week? I don't. I actually have it at home ready to go. Bookmarks oh, ready in the to first go. page. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm locked and loaded. It's actually a book. The next book we're going to do is called Predictably Irrational. I just want to, uh, my phone's off. It's called Predictably Irrational. It's got a picture of looks like a candy machine on the front. Yeah. Um, that's what we're going to do next week. And eventually what we want to do when we get enough subscribers on this channel, we can then start doing these as lives. So if you join along with us now and start doing this with us, like, subscribe, join, start reading the same books with us, what will happen when we can do these as lives is it won't just be me and Callum chatting. But what we will do is we will we'll let you comment whilst we're talking and not only comment whilst we're talking, you'll also be able to, in some cases, I think we can figure out how, how this can work where you can press a button, ask, say, say you want to say something. And I think we can click a button and bring you on. I'm pretty sure it works. I'm sure I've done it in the past. I've got to go and buy the software to do it, but I think that'll be fun. Um, yeah, and be I think great. we'll all learn together. And I think everybody then as a community can start bringing this up and learning together. It'll be less just me and Callum talking and more you guys. And if we get the channel big enough, which I hope we do, I pray we do, I really want us to do, then we could start in, in, inviting some of the authors on eventually to even maybe have a, a 10, 15 minute chat with us at the beginning. So that's where we plan to take this. But we will see you all next week for Predictably Irrational. Uh, make it a habit of clicking the like, subscribe, and turning up every single week. And we'll see you next week, guys.